Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. Rejoining me today is Lewis. Hello. Yayan. Hello. And Erin. Hello, hello. I've also got three little furry dogs with me. They may bark, one yeah. may snore. Who they, knows? It's adventure. Exactly. They may they may take part. They may give us their uh, opinions. It's unavoidable, unfortunately. How many times did you hear a dog? Write it in the comments. <laughs> I can't guarantee their opinions to be pro- like politically correct. They might say something bigoted, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, dogs, dogs. Send Callum a tweet for how many barks. I mean, we know... We know um, one of them is uh, very anti big dogs, isn't he? So this, yeah, he's he's got major little dog syndrome. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a misogynist as well because like two of them are boys and one of them's a girl. Um, and I re- the the two of them have recently gotten and the male one that I've always had. He seems to take a particular problem with the the female dog. And oh. She does nothing to it. So Damn. honestly, he's just he's terrible. Uh, dogs, but, but he's cute, so he gets away with it. Yeah, exactly. This is yeah. it. Double uh, stand. I'd, like I'd like to see an adult man get away with that one in in court. I'm cute, so I get away with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some cases, I don't think that would be entirely incorrect. Just to replace cute I, it, with either hot true. or rich. No, but there was that thing of the guy, uh, the like guy with the hot mugshot, though, wasn't there? It was a dude in America. Was there? He, it, was like a, it wasn't a super super violent crime, but I think he like assaulted somebody violently. Right. Um. And like when his mugshot went up, he, he just had one of those. I think he had, you know, like the icy blue eyes, and you know, he just looked a bit like a movie star. And everyone was like, "Ah, oh, swoon." <laughs> there has been. A... So I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he got. Ah, uh, humanity's failing. Up. Anyway, shall we? <laughs> if ever to make a soundboard of this podcast, that's going on Erin's page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, um, I've got uh, these three with me uh, to. Sort of our uh, sequel to the episode from last month, or last year at this point, uh, where we talked about discrimination, and so this time we're going to have more of a focus on representation. Uh, Obviously, for obvious reasons, it will be more focused on disability, because of... um, you know, all four of us being in that category. But we may uh, address uh, the other minorities. However, it is worth getting out there now that uh, when it comes to uh, race, we are all white people. So, you know, we are very aware that uh, we're not the best qualified when it comes to that section. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I know, Mm. dudes... Any of you want to give it a go at starting us off? Um, yeah, go on then, if All you right. want. Yeah. Step to the plate, I guess. Why is it that in film and TV... There, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, bloody... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so they're all talking at once. I can't translate for them. No, it's really hard. So we're gonna answer your question. Should we get a SpongeBob title card? Title card. Ten minutes yes, later. Ten minutes later. <laughs> and I my opinion very well. I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even started the opinion the yet. <laughs> Go on. I don't even going to annoy everyone. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. Go. Lewis <laughs> annoys humans and animals. I know, right? Yeah. That's what it says on the tin. Uh, but um, there's a <laughs> fight that goes on. And I know where people fall on it. When someone of different gender or disability, as in this case, is portrayed on screen, there is a call for a person of said disability, race, gender, colour, um, anything, anything applicable, um, to play said role. Which some people view as a good thing, some people view, why can't it just be anyone? Why has it got to be limited to someone with that disability? What do people think of that? Because I, I personally am in two minds about it. You, you could go with one hand, it's the best person for the job, which, you know, could be someone with that disability. It could just be a very good actor either way. Or these people need these opportunities. This is literally what they're in the business to provide. So why wouldn't you give it to them? My issue of saying that that the kind of you need the best person for the job argument is like especially when I think about disability representation in sort of like in films and TV shows and stuff, and especially like just because I've seen it so much and obviously we're sort of tapped into it more when it's a, a role that's supposed to be a blind character, there is a specific stereotype that sighted people expect. And if they want the best person for the job, what they're looking for is the best person who could play that stereotype. The best person mm-hmm. who can bumble around like an idiot and wear the like late stage cataract looking contacts to look like the stereotype of what they expect a blind person to be. Because I know a lot of blind actors or, or blind people looking to get into acting, they go for those roles and then they're told, oh, actually, there was a sighted person who was better than you. But it's not that. It's because actually they're too competent or like they just think it's going to be too difficult for them on the set because decided people are too ignorant to understand how to accommodate or like even that they don't really need to accommodate that is pretty rich as a sentence as a sentiment isn't it it's there like this abled person is better at being blind than you Mm. um to what to what you said lewis because i'd agree i wouldn't say i'm 50 50 on it but i think there's always a part of me that will be slightly in two minds of it because there is a there is that section of me that's there like you know an actor's an actor they you know you know it's acting they pretend to be something they're not however uh with that being said i think the big part of it then goes to what you just brought up it's especially in the modern day now we're in a i'd say a position where you know it's Someone said it uh, the other when I actually an episode I did when with Ellie Waite where we talked about representation. She mentioned the term you know spreading the wealth. Uh, so it's like you know giving you know bringing in minorities that way because um, again it's just you know getting them into uh, the industry. You know that opportunities and there is a risk of being typecasts some may argue but then i don't know because and especially in the in the case of disability 
this would, um, I'd say, be applicable to um, the LGBTQ plus community is that often if an abled actor played that role, Oscar nomination, uh, mm. you know, very much became that. And, you know, and obviously it has happened. Uh, obviously Tom Hanks and uh, Matthew McConaughey won Oscars yes, for no, playing men. Him, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they play it. Yeah, people who you are dying of AIDS. Community stories <clears throat> celebrated for it. Yeah, well, that. Oh, where have we seen that before? <laughs> yeah, well, that that comes into a whole thing as well with like with the AIDS uh, example. Just to say that's why so many, I know that's why so many people were happy from the LGBTQ plus community uh, with uh, the Freddie Mercury biopic um, or biopic, depending on how you want to say it. Um, yeah but yeah but not so much that he was in it i mean that too but the point i was going to bring up is that it didn't because there were some people going oh why didn't it focus on his um him having aids and struggling with that that's what i wanted i don't want to see him having fun and all that stuff and they say like no great we saw something different (laughs) (laughs) it's just so like yeah it's like it's a really depressing sentiment i didn't want to see the fun thing yeah, I want to see him struggling. I almost swore then. Oh god. <laughs> that comes um, in his um I can't uh Theory of Everything, Eddie Redmine. Mm, mm. Well he won now, the Oscar, didn't he? Yeah, I do believe Eddie Redmine is a fully bodied actor, I'm not I'm yes. not sure. Yes. Um, yes, he is. Um so would you sa- the the question I would pose there is if you got someone of we we'd say a you couldn't necessarily get someone with the disease itself because obviously the but, progression of it through the movie wouldn't mimic mm. the person. They could have acted it, you could argue. Um, but say they got someone who is, say, wheelchair bound, let's widen the spectrum to that. Um, yeah, but just most of the but, film would have included, like, when he was, he, you know, he wasn't using a wheelchair. When he's able, like, I don't, right? I haven't I seen believe. the film. I believe a decent but, Yeah, it's most, I've seen it all the way through. It's, mo- it's sort of. It's the start of his diagnosis, meeting oh, okay. his first wife. Then it goes the all the way. Then it goes all the way through time skips to when he's obviously a lot older. But mm. yeah, it's all it's it's a but fully argue that it would need to be two actors then, because you could then have a second role there for the other yeah, person. That is the possibility. Mm-hmm. But then you... I think it take a lot of FX work. Fix the mud, I think. That one, I'd say, is this whole face change, you know? Yeah, it's certainly a muddier example um, with mm. that. Or, or I mean, I mean, he or something like that. Mm. Mm. I'm not. I'm um. not. I'm not trying to. I'm just essentially trying to. Play no, 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 you're right. No, no, you're yeah. right. Uh, and that's what we're doing. I think that. No, yeah, I think that. I mean, as somebody that saw the film the whole way through, I think that I could see why people would want maybe somebody with a disability perhaps not the same one but also i don't know i think there is still the element of and it's not necessarily you know our sect of the community in that disabled people would be bothered but it's the fact that the general public these stories they do see them as inspiration whether or not that's a good thing we could be here all day (laughs) um and but to be interested in them sometimes unfortunately for the rest of the general public you do need that star power the the best way to sort of balance it out i feel maybe not in the example of theory of everything because i think that's a bad example <laughs> um because obviously it goes through all the different stages but in other examples would be cast stars around the disabled actor that's playing the disabled role that works yeah. in some cases and you can make a work. star out of a disabled actor like to me i think of oh you can peter dinklage 
I don't. I mean, I don't mm. know. I'm not like big on films and stuff. Maybe Peter Dinklage was like a massive star before Game of Thrones. No, but you could under. No, like, he, he is definitely <laughs> a big star now. Oh yeah, and they are making films around. I can't. Is a there's like a it's like a classical literature thing. He's, he's yeah. I can't remember the name of it. But I know now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, like about someone's a guy pretending who has to be him. A facial deformity. Yeah. Um. And you know that's like and that film that like when it's been adapted like uh, sorry I know it would be like a book or a play or, or whatever it is. That it was originally but it's been adapted over and over again apparently and it's it's quite a famous story but supposedly it's always been like able-bodied actors who don't have any kind of facial deformity it's always just been like some really handsome guy who's had prosthetics put on his face yeah. to tell that story mm. and now because peter dinklage has that star power because somebody took a chance on him and also maybe you could say well over the years like actors with dwarfism have become so common like we we don't accept anymore in the same way that we wouldn't accept say blackface that you can just have a guy on his knees with some feet underneath his with some shoes underneath his knees playing somebody with dwarfism now like we expect if somebody has dwarfism like a character does that that is going to be played by an actor with dwarfism yeah and so there are opportunities mm. now but mm. we still think it's acceptable say in the greatest showman to cover people in talcum powder and say they have albinism so let's give people those opportunities. We won't find it acceptable anymore to pull stuff like that and to like crip up actors because that's that's all it is anymore. And then opportunities will come around for those actors that we make into stars, and they'll be more authentic. Yeah, because it's like it's like in the, in the in the examples of um, the star around it. Because uh, there was the film, the action film uh, with uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Skyscraper. Mm. where he played a guy with a prosthetic leg and it's like would the film have been made without Dwayne Johnson maybe not but he didn't have to play that role per se I mean it is still good for because it's it's a double edged sword in mm. some ways because it is good re- it is good for representation don't get me wrong that he's mm. in it in yeah. some ways and they do- really? they're using it to say okay, well I think it depends it's on the way, isn't it? It depends. I think it's cause... difficult because if you're trying to, sorry, uh, for, but if you're trying to um, show um, a prosthetic leg doing over-the-top action-based stunts, mm. then but, but, it, you don't, but that's but that's what that's what the like I don't, that's what the harnesses are for. To be fair, Yian, like if he's like doing a long jump, I mean, I don't know if the Rock is actually doing it for himself. I know he does do a lot of stunts. Um, but, you know, that's where, like, the harness comes in, the, you know, the strings, you know, and then obviously yeah, they get you, CGI'd you know, you're out. You are talking about stunt work. We're saying, is it really, is it a net positive if yeah. you're portraying, is Daredevil a net positive if people watch that film and expect all blind people or all people with prosthetic legs to be able to do the same stunts that they do? Or yeah, the guy from, uh, what's that horrible film with the turkey baster? <laughs> the, so, the blind dude, the guy that, like, hunts him down. Don't breathe. Oh. Like is that a net positive? I don't. I don't think that's good representation. Just just before we move on to that, because I feel that's going to be something we can all rip into a bit. Um, in terms of um, the Greatest Showman, you mentioned the two twins. Yeah, I was going to try and come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, they're supposed to be twins of albinism. Uh, weren't they? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say they were trapeze. Uh, I don't know because I haven't watched that garbage film. I have literally only seen the poster, and I right, was I, like, I "Those are people it. covered in talcum powder." Because yeah. I know people about but this is not what they look like. What I'm gonna say is, but they're also not twins. They didn't even get twins and covered them in talcum powder, by the way. So it's so I, low I, effort. What I'm saying is, 
if you've got something like trapeze or something like that that you're going to film up close, you need yeah. people that do it. How difficult would it be to find a pair of twins with albinism who are also trapeze? Well, they didn't find a pair of twins, so they could have found two people with albinism they thought looked the same. And there are a lot of families with albinism, but they could have found people. And they could have used those people for the posters and then only for the faraway stunt shots. They could have um, gotten people covered in talcum powder. It's filmed fairly... not what they chose to do. I have watched the film, but I really don't remember it too much. Also, the bearded lady. They just stuck a beard on this woman. And yes, she sings, but again, they could have had somebody that had that condition. I think it's um, polycystic ovary syndrome, isn't it? Um, that usually causes that. I, I'm, I'm sure got, there are I'm a lot of people... I'm not too familiar, to be honest. Um, they could have found... As, as we've, got, as we've gone into sort of the difficulties of casting sort of thing, um, one thing I will bring up, because it's just interesting, I get it, it's just an interesting take on it. Um, there was a Unless you have more to say, Aaron, in which case I'll wait till you finish. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, there was an Australian comedian, Jim Jeffries, who wanted to make, and it, I think he did make it. I, unfortunately, I, I can't find it in the UK. So if anyone can, do actually link me to it. I'd be interested to, to watch it and see what the representation is like. Um, but he made a, um, a series where a disabled person in a wheelchair was sort of an office workmate and made a bit of a comedy around it and tried to make it so it was like, you know, uh, the disabled person enjoying life with friends, working in an office, blah, blah, blah. Um, something a bit more positive. And he actually said, if I'm going to do this, I want to meet with every disabled actor in Hollywood that's wheelchair bound, if I can, and try and get somebody that that is. Mm. Um and there were there were two funny sides to that. One was that he found a lot of actors that were faking more severe disabilities uh, and being in a wheelchair in general to try and see how him, to try and be like, yeah, look, I've got this so severely and I'm still this impressive. And you found out that they weren't even disabled, so that's that's deplorable. <laughs> um, and then he actually met with as many of them as he could find and said that there weren't very many of them and some of them felt though the story was trying to be positive they didn't want to be a part of it so he did actually end up having to cast somebody that was well this is his take on it so maybe he didn't have to but this is what he this is his argument was that because some didn't really want to do it in the end he ended up having to cast somebody that was able-bodied and put them in a wheelchair and try to do the best he could with the scripts to be as positive as possible mm-hmm. so it's it's also the case of even if you did want to want to find um, a sect of these people that were as genuine as possible, how many actors of there are? How many actors are there with said um, uh, with said genuine conditions? How much are they linked to big Hollywood agents? In which case, well, probably the... not because there's no work for them. No, I was going to but... say definitely. Not I mean, I've never heard Hollywood actors. Isn't... What you're mm. talking about, but I think that it's like a feedback loop, though, of because there's no there are, <laughs> there are no jobs being offered to disabled people. There's that makes the pool so much smaller. Like the thing I was saying about well, there are a lot of actors with dwarfism because it, it's still you know a small minority of roles that call for somebody with dwarfism. But because we only find it acceptable to use actors with dwarfism, there is a like a small pool of them. You can find somebody with dwarfism. But, you know, if there aren't any opportunities, if you 
you know, you have a, especially a visible disability, then why would you have an agent? You wouldn't hear about the casting call. It'd be incredibly hard to find you. You probably couldn't afford to live in Hollywood because you aren't getting any roles. And you can't, like, especially if you have a visible disability, like... You probably wouldn't be given the... You probably wouldn't be able to get the typical jobs that people do when living in Hollywood and not being successful like a waiter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that as well. You can't even do those roles to try and keep up a crappy little Hollywood apartment. No, because even if you probably could, it's not like an employee would probably give you a chance to show that you can do it. In that situation. I mean, it's definitely a big problem. Like, I, I know there's not... There's not an easy solution because we've we found ourselves in this situation, but there are, you know, I think if, if people look hard enough, then there must be, you know, it's just about letting enough people through the doors, I feel like. And yeah, it's going to take work to find them. But I, I mean, I do kind of struggle to believe that it is literally just because there are no, you know, there weren't enough people in wheelchairs who wanted to act. It's probably just that he looked through the wrong channels, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I think it's because it is one of those it, ones. Is it? There's, there's, there's surely, there's definitely people out there that can do the parts. And it's interesting what you say about to go slightly backwards with Peter Dinklage because I think we might. I'm curious if we're gonna start seeing that when it comes to the another disability with uh, the recent Marvel movie Eternals. You've got the. Um, actress in that who plays uh, Makari who's a you know deaf speedster uh, and she is legitimately deaf I think she was Ms. Deaf America um, mm. uh, Lauren Ridloff I think is how you say it yes that's how you say it yeah and like I think she's already as you would expect from a big Marvel movie she's already gaining quite a following obviously being in you know, uh, inspiration to quite a lot of young disabled kids and all that stuff. Well, so, to be fair, I know a lot of adults said and, uh, that they wanted to learn sign language because obviously you see multiple Eternals communicate with her yes. through sign language yeah. throughout the entire film. <laughs> yeah, no, ex- exactly. And yeah, so it's like, it'll be interesting in, with the Peter Dinklage comparison, it'll be interesting to see what happens with her career because... I mean, let's be honest. She's in a Marvel franchise. If it, in the current day, that's pretty much the t- yeah, the, the tippity top. Yeah. Get. <laughs> yeah. And no, you know, fair yeah. play, fair play for them actually trying to find somebody that couldn't just do it positively, that actually was, <laughs> and working with them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess some people would argue. Obviously, on the other side, we do. You know, Charlie Cox is going to continue being Daredevil, and he's not. So I guess some people would bring that up. But I think that I would one argue of those he's very good in the role. He, he is very I good think in the role. I really don't I think, think he did say though. Sorry, go on. Aaron. <laughs> I was just I I think that's more like what we were talking about before though, because I don't think you could reasonably expect. Like I think we can all say this. Like none of us could play Daredevil. I don't think there are like no, any but... completely blind actors that could play Daredevil. No, I was... Maybe a VI person. Yeah, maybe. I will say in the argument though, I guess where the argument because again I'll no pun intended with speaking of daredevil but i'll play devil's advocate um with that where what you could do is you have a blind actor playing matt murdoch yeah and then any and then when he's in the costume obviously have him in the costume when he's just talking but as far as fighting stunt work i mean that's no different to really what they're doing now i'm pretty sure charlie cox isn't the one fighting 
in he wears most a mask of the as well, doesn't he? Is yes, cool. yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, it's a cow. No, he's so only, he's the only bomb part done, of his face. The only stunt I know that he's done serious work on was season three, uh, a massive like prison fight. He did all of that single hand. Well, obviously with Stone Cold on set, but he did that himself. But I think that's the only one I've ever seen him do. Mm himself um yeah. and, then, and, this, and this isn't I me like having a go at charlie cox i will clarify uh, to be fair to him mm. like i think he got apparently there's like this one guy um uh blind he's not an actor per se but he's made a career of basically i guess teaching training whatever term you want to use actors who are playing blind roles so mm. charlie cox mm. went to him um and like learned that and personally and some may accuse me of having you know tinted glasses because i'm a huge daredevil fan the i don't I, I don't I don't think that charlie cox does a bad job i think he's very good in the role uh, i don't think oh, we it's... can blame individual yeah. able-bodied actors no, like no, any more than we can blame say like female actresses for being in roles like where women are degraded or whatever because it's it's the people that write these roles and it's the people who who don't go out and cast like specifically the people that should really be in those roles because mm-hmm. they just got to get food on the table and somebody else like some other able-bodied person is going to take that role if you don't take it and if you don't know that there is definitely somebody else who has that disability that's going to get the role if you don't take it yeah. so to me i think like as much as i wish actors wouldn't take these kind of roles because they, they really should know that it's it's morally like it's not cool dude and they they can't bring the best to that role like usually mm. um that that somebody else could with that actual life experience but you know they've got to do what they've got to do i don't think it's it's their fault because oh, yeah. they're no, just in the system yeah. yeah and i mean as you say it's different i also think again to play devil's advocate on the part of the actors it's difficult for them to know when a role might be more morally questionable because there are gray areas like with charlie cox or for example if you've ever seen the film no one may have seen this. I don't know what anyone's take on it is. I have a very personal take on it because it's around a person in a wheelchair. But um, the fundamentals of caring with Paul Rudd and Craig Roberts, who is a very good Welsh actor, he plays... Craig Roberts plays the person in the wheelchair that is has a form of genetic condition. Don't sue me. I can't remember how to pronounce the name of it accurately. <laughs> um which I think is a very rare condition that basically means his muscle strength is lost and he may die before the age of 30. Mm. And he basically just sits in a massive house and just gets everything done for him because he can't do anything for himself or without assistance. Um, but he can still talk. And you, you can see through the, the, the relationship Paul Rudd's character builds up with him that he does want to go on trips, he does want to go out, but his parents are too scared or his mother is too scared to let him out. And then the whole film is basically Paul Rudd trying to get medications in place, trying to get stuff in place so he can go on a trip and actually be more outright and go across states to see different things that he's heard about and finds interesting. Uh, and it's a very good film in that it, in that if you take away the whole thing that it's obviously able-bodied actors, it plays the strength of the condition quite well from what I can see of it and you can see from any person in a wheelchair's point of view where obviously they're having to make adaptions or having to argue and then I can help him do this I help him do that and he can get in but then health and safety won't let you in certain areas you can see that but there's also some quite just emotionally draining scenes where obviously 
he's upset or Paul Rudd is upset on his behalf or then he goes on his first date and so it's it's all uplifting but also quite sad and to me I thought okay Craig Roberts is obviously I've seen him in other stuff before he's definitely able-bodied and I was like "Mm, okay but I think he does a good job so there's that part but also there's the other part of I think with people in wheelchairs in general Hollywood even with Professor X and People who know me know how much I like that character growing up, especially. But it's just if they if they've lost the use of their legs or are some way in a wheelchair, they're seen as either the caregiver, as in they look after other people, or try and be a wise old sage type character and give advice, or they're seen as somebody with a life-threatening condition who will who will die, and they either focus mainly on the death part and the sadness of it. Or they focus on the one element that they've improved, and you know there's the positivity is there for a bit. But then at the end of the film, um, Craig Roberts' character inspires Paula's character to go and go away, write his book, and leave him to other carers. And it's like, okay, well then oh, the no. other <laughs> the other the other carers then you know might not be as bothered about taking him out about doing stuff with him. So but at least he helped you know, Paul Rudd. Obviously, he's got life inspirations, and bad shit happened to him as well, and he was grieving, so they, they, that's how they bonded, because he was grieving over other stuff. Um, and it was like, okay, it's I like enjoyed the film, to... and I can still oh. find times to enjoy it, but there are also points where it's like, as a guy watching this in a wheelchair, it's really upsetting, because it's not that, oh, Paul Rudd goes off and leaves into other carers that may not even do any of this stuff with him. It's not that, it's... It's that the fact that it's like all we focus on in terms of a really emotional scenes is maybe one or two positive scenes and then the bonding scenes, which I would consider positive between those two. But there are just points where he just gets really upset. And I'm thinking as a disabled person watching this, like, I'm not saying the film's bad. The film's good. And people, people from different disabilities may, may take things from it. Even people in wheelchairs may take good things from it. But I'm like, and I can still watch it again because it's good acting and it's a good film. But it's like, this is really just depressing to see a guy just struggling. What I really want to see, and this might be selfish on my part, is just a guy maybe with conditions, whether they be life-threatening or not, and they're in a wheelchair, just show a guy trying to live and have fun, be with friends, show positivity alongside... You can have both sections where it's like, this is an inspiring tale about somebody that will eventually die that wants to, to do things with their life before they're dead. You can have that. But do the other side of it as well, where it's like disabled people exist and people are in wheelchairs, whether that be able-bodied or otherwise, and it's good. (laughs) That's where the issue comes, isn't it? Because I think very much with definitely over the years to go back to the Oscar thing with disability. And again, it's arguably the same with a lot of the LGBTQ plus community is, I think I've heard people coin it, isn't it? It's like it's inspiration porn Mm. to people. Yeah. You know? I might be wrong here, but mm. I think in terms of what we're discussing, there's one thing at the heart of it that basically just breaks every argument you can make over a knee, really, which is films are a product, right? Films, too, they're products. They're built to be sold. Um, you're taught in business that when you sell a product, you need a demographic. Now, movies... TV, music to an extent, 
um, in some cases, they're built to pander to the largest demographics possible because that's where all the money is. Yep. So when they put a disabled person in a film, they're not putting it in for representation's sake. They're putting it in because, well, you know, that person in a wheelchair, they're very sad and, you know, their life is kind of shit. But the other person, it will make them feel better and they'll, they'll go off, they'll write their book and, you know, it's they, they're a plot device to get this person to where they need to be. Yeah, because and, the majority of the audience are going to relate yeah. to the able-bodied person. It's so, not written for them. What, what, it all comes down to business, the, of course. So, yeah, but we're talking about representation as if it's um, something that's missing in terms of this needs to be dialed up. But what you're essentially doing is saying there needs to be more of this in the product, but until people don't consume the product because of it, that's never going to happen. No, and but... People and any any form of minority at this point is being used as a bargaining chip. It's, a not, a, it's not a matter of, would this work for a story? It's the same with video games. No one builds a video game anymore because they think it's a good game. They build it because they think, well, it uses this and this from this, and this is popular, so this is going to shift copies like nobody's business. No, I get what you uh, mean, because... I think what what we're trying to combat mm. can't be combated until there's a societal change, essentially. And it is slowly occurring, but not in the way... It's not quite mm. there yet, because people are saying, well, we should have deaf representation, blind representation, LGBTQ representation. But these things are only being put in to pander to those demographics at this point until the general public take those things as heed. Like um, climate change is now being taken heed of a lot more. Um, there's a large movement towards eating plant-based foods, which is now becoming the hot thing to push. A lot more products are going plant-based, not out of a necessity, not out of because it was a good idea, but because that's where the money's moving. Yeah. Until that occurs, then... All this is technically mute. It's a, it's a, it's a valid point. Yeah, but it's oh, not yeah. Valid. But I no, think I we mean... do see though that, that, like, I'm thinking of something like Encanto. Like, yes. that's mm. that's huge. The majority, I think, it is something like sixty percent of the U.S. population. I think is Hispanic, and obviously, yep. you know, yeah. South America as a whole. But we're just people from the English-speaking community who are sort mm-hmm. of aware of of media, and it's been a massive phenomenon. None of us are from Colombia, like, but there are plenty of just like regular white people who have no connection to South America or like don't speak Spanish or anything like that who have really liked it and who've really gotten into it. I think a lot of people have tried to do the um, as like I, I I don't know what they're called. There's some dish that the the mother makes from the film, and apparently they explode oh. in people's face if you make them wrong. There's been like a whole load of people doing that because they wanted to try and emulate but it. I would um, argue. That- that's to do with the film itself when you look at the film this this is like burrowing down further but the film itself isn't based on the heritage shown it's not based on anything to do with that demographic it's a massive part of it though and that's clearly part of the marketing i mean it's literally got a spanish word in the title than english-speaking film yeah you know yeah. and all the actors the reality... seem to speak spanish or the... be hispanic in some way but that's yeah. resonated with people and the... i think we will find that's going to happen yeah with a lot of different all it takes put a spanish word in the title and a spanish family at the center of it, it doesn't matter if it's a bad film or not as long as it's got that big no, 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 no. of course of course it helps it's no, a good film it's, it's a great film though. it's a great film well, and I I think it, majority it, of people it, think it's a good film because like, <laughs> that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is 
as long as they do a good product, it's not enough yeah, to it's, just it's, stick it's, the person. Cause for example, like looking at looking at Catwoman and Elektra to go on the superhero front. That you know, female-led <laughs> films that came out in two thousand and four oh, and two thousand and five. From from well, they weren't even. They were sort well. No, Catwoman was not so much pandering. Catwoman was initially started off as a reaction to how much the character was liked in Batman Returns. It's just the yeah. fact that the script was cut and changed so many times that it came out twelve years later, and was yeah. and was not even and was in no way connected. But so with those those two films came out two thousand and four two thousand and five, and as both yours and Yian's reactions. Uh, attest to they're not good films but um judged by people sorry if there's anyone out there who likes them good for you, you like i don't it, know i don't i don't know i don't know how like myself but you know um <laughs> but because those two films came out and they were crap and were wildly panned people then Stop made wearing. the assumption well that's because they're female leds and it's like uh, you know nostalgia critic does um i've i'll take from him because it made me laugh where he like it's when he's doing his a review of Supergirl which was obviously the first female led in 1984 female led superhero film that is um, oh, and, <laughs> and you know people seem to make the assumptions it's because the character is female and it's like you know he goes to the scene in Catwoman you know when she walks up to the bar it's like what would you like and she goes white Russian hold, um, hold the vodka and no liqueur and it's like that line would have been so much cooler if a dude said it and he brought up a picture of James Bond. And it's like, you know, you know, it's bad writing, but people made the assumption. And you're right that, you know, yes, there is an element of, you know, people there like, oh, well, what's hot now? It's minorities. I, you know, I point towards um, Warner Brothers in DC announcing a Blue Beetle film. It just reeks of to me because it just came out of left field, and it's not like he's, you know, it's almost like they were there, like, oh, what's popular now? Minorities. Oh, what what minority or hasn't what minority hasn't been used as a main character in superhero films? Hispanic. Oh, we have Blue Beetle. Let's try that. You know, it's like, but you know, like, there's enough in the case of Encanto, like, good film, minority represented, yeah, great. Film, but- M- Moana, Polynesian. You know. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying is at. Moana, not so much. With Encanto, I might be ignorant to some form of... Le- I think Encanto is an original story. It's not based on any sort of legend or... Is it? I'm not sure. I'm pretty I, sure it's yeah, original. I, presume so. I think it's original, yes. So I've not seen the film. I have read stuff well, I've around se- it. I've seen the film a few mm, times. But just to put that out there, I actually really like the film. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it again after this because mm. now I've got a buzz to watch it. But, yeah, same. Um, <laughs> The the film itself, to me, it could have been any language, any race. It didn't... It held up. No matter... Whatever you changed out, the main core plot of it, the actual story that was being told, was good. And it was nice. Yeah. And it didn't, need, it didn't rely on any sort of... How do I put this delicately? It didn't use... <sighs> It didn't use the fact This dog interruption is brought to you by... Like, the race or culture didn't actually... Although it enhanced it, it didn't uphold 
the story. Yeah, it wasn't part of the plot. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But it was still front and centre. They still used a lot of Spanish words. I was going to say, they, 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 they speak they like, Spanglish, We are they? the family. We yeah. live in an unknown place. They're like, we are yeah. the familia Madrigal. We live in Colombia, you know? Yeah, that was, that, it, that was like Italian. Was that, I was going to say, but... I went very Italian, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean... Changed that to any, any race or any... Um, any... But they made it a marketing tactic. I they... don't particularly know. I, I'm not sure if Lone Manuel Miranda. I, I think he is Hispanic. I think um, he I don't is. Know yes. much I'm not Hispanic sure. and Polynesian. I think. He's both. He's both. He did well. Moana. Yeah, no, because he because he did he did in the Heights as well. Yeah, which that's is, why uh, I thought like which is, I think um, he's more. Huh? A... Didn't that bomb the Heights? I mean, it did, but I think that's because let's it be didn't honest, necessarily bomb if a musical is it, if a musical isn't Disney. No, but the thing is, it came yeah, out. It, it came out just coming out of the pandemic. Well, no, it came out. Pandemic is still at large. Cinemas in places aren't open everywhere, and it's a musical. I think in the modern day, you know, musicals don't <laughs> musicals unless if it's Disney don't do that well in cinemas. And I'm sorry to any musical fans. Not trying to. You know, pee you off. I just think it just seems to be because West, West Side Story. Band, know. Yeah, West <laughs> Side West Side Story bomb. bombed as well. Mm. You know, I just um, I don't know. It, it, and cats, but that was for a different reason. Feel, um. it didn't feel like it was using it as a crutch. No, and I think a lot. Some films now are getting very. Um, you're you're going to hate me for this, Callum, but um, I also think. Um, Eternals is a bit guilty of this with its first trailer. The film itself, no. The film is good. I freely admit that. It's, it's actually a really good film. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Don't look at the trailers. Just watch it. It's good. But that first trailer, the only thing I got from it in spoken dialogue was the um, gender and sexual identity of some of the characters. Due to his controversial comments, Lewis is no longer in this episode with us. So, continuing on the thought of Hollywood pandering, though, I wanted to bring up an example. Um, if it isn't obvious at this point, I am a big superhero fan because I've, that's pretty much been all my examples. Uh, so, recently, Warner Brothers and DC announced that they would be doing a Black Superman film. And, you know, to which uh, the fan base's reaction was overall, oh, cool, so we're going for Val Zod, uh, or I think it's Calvin Hall. Uh, I believe, I know Calvin's the first name. I think it's Hall's the, yeah. Um, So, and it's like, no, 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 he'll be Clark Kent. And it's like, okay, so what was the point of making the announcement? Like, you're clearly in my mind, you're clearly just doing it because it's the, you know, air quotes in thing right now to have a minority. If they had just announced that they were rebooting Superman, you know, no longer using Henry Cavill, which is a damn shame uh, for my money, but at this point pretty much expected. And then they just happened to cast Michael B. Jordan, because again, it's been announced that he's going to be playing Clark Kent, then that would have been fine. In, in, for my money but it's just more the fact that they specifically announced that they're making you know Clark Kent Black and again Imagine I, if they didn't even call the film Superman they just call it Black Superman 
Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it just feels. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Also, we got the name wrong. The name is Kelvin Ills, I think. E L I S. E L. Sorry, E L I S. Ellis. Yeah. There we go. Ellis. Ellis. See, that's why because every time I say I want to, I want to say Calvin Harris, which isn't right, but that explains why as well, because Harris. Is that would be a pretty similar cool sounding to Ellis. He lays down some sick beats and he goes beats with some bad guys. <laughs> I mean, Calvin Harris. Actually, is there a DJ superhero? Because that would be pretty cool. Uh, yes. Well, actually, Black no. Technically, Dazzler's not a DJ. Technically, um, she's a singer. So close. Um, but that's a, that. Uh, but you know, that's besides the point. Um, is a niche in the market. You've got to exploit it. <laughs> Right anyway, well, I don't, sure. it, it it was just strange, wasn't it? Because yeah. they literally announced it for for lack of a better word, even though I hate this word, points. <laughs> um, well, at least it felt like that. It de- it really did, and the way the announcement went, and also, I mean, from the reaction I saw, I mean, I'm not saying that Twitter is a is a maelstrom of of believability. For the rest of the world, because I don't think that it is. No, to be honest, no. Um, what I saw, there is a decent part on, of Twitter. I mean, I, uh, from what know, I saw I on Twitter, there were a lot of people that, from the community, shall we say, that were commenting on. They were like, "But if you're going to do it, why didn't you do the some of the other actual, yeah, like Superman? Yeah, and then do Clark Kent alongside it if you really want. Because let's be honest, at this point, DC don't care about." The continuity thing. I mean, you know, we've got we got we've got the Robert Pattinson the Batman movie coming up, and Michael Keaton is returning as older Batman in Batgirl and Flashpoint. So, you know, at this but, point, continuity went out the window a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you really want, just do that. Yeah. Or even I don't know, have Henry Cavill, have Val Zod, or Calvin Ellis first appear in a Clark Kent Superman movie before you know spinning off to their own. It's obviously it's a classic method for introducing. Lesser-known characters, because there's no doubt that Val Zod and Calvin Ellis are lesser known to the general public. Oh, they are because they've not been used in as many issues at all. No. <laughs> lesser known to you guys, evidently, too, because you don't know the second name. <laughs> no, Calvin Ellis, I wasn't too familiar with. No, um, to be fair, Val Zod, I do remember, but I think it's because it... it's because his name is funny. His, his name's a lot different. That's why I, I, yeah, it was yeah. bad. Yeah, but no, I mean, because um. I know, because surprise, surprise, you know, Yain and I have had talked about this in the past, and I know you've mentioned, Yain, as well, that you have, like, to sort of, not validate may not be the right word, but to mm-hmm. sort of make you and I, I guess, feel better about our thoughts. You've you've watched a number of black YouTubers to find, like, their opinions yeah, on it, and it seems to be a similar I, sort I of... Over, whether I was overreacting... Yeah. And just basically judging for a community, yeah, when they weren't judging the same way. But I mean, I saw like quite a few videos that were literally titled pretty similar things. The one I remember coming up more off- most often was "Black Superman: Why I'm Not Okay with It," and a picture of I believe it was um, Calvin Ellis flying in space and being like, "Why aren't you using him?" <laughs> I believe that's what it, what the subject matter was. So I don't think I'm wrong in saying that this was done. In error. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know. I know Aaron, you're not the biggest superhero fan, but I know from. I mean, I think you've That's heard us talk true. about it before. I can aesthetically appreciate four. Okay, I think pretty much anyone Except can. Pretty much any. Pretty much anyone can. <laughs> it's, 
if it's not him, it's Captain America. But um, no, nah, he doesn't do it for me. No, he's not got the quaffed blonde locks. It's like, oh, it's but the blonde, when Paul gets his hair cut, there's no fun in it anymore. Oh, you didn't like Ragnarok then? Nah. No. <laughs> it's only when he's on the table. <laughs> Fair play. Um, Please do not cancel me. I'm actually Ace Aero. <laughs> it's just a little joke. Honk, honk. I'm a clown. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think there's any way moving of uh, naturally on, getting back to it. Even though there's no way of naturally um, moving on. Yeah. Well, if I've killed the conversation, then I must bring it to what I want to discuss. I have a question for you Okay, both. fine. Masterfully done. Now, Masterfully, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Just avoid the question. Kill the conversation, revive yeah. it, bam. It's mine now. <laughs> okay. okay. I am a massive Hunchback Notre Dame fan. Obviously, it's Since the best when? Disney film of all time. Lion the King. Lion King. Who? No, nope, the, I don't. The, I've never heard of it. What's the Lion King? No, I only know the Hunchback of Notre Dame. No, nope, um, on representation. Encanto of a live action. Uh, nah, Encanto doesn't go. I, they're a different. They're a different breed of film. Anyway, the CG ones, no, like it's... Frozen and Tangled, Encanto. No, uh, yeah, it's it. true. As far as yeah, like it's not the two D animation, is it? Yeah, it's a different generation. Yeah. Um. But so there's been talks of a live action adaptation of it. Yep. And obviously, it's One kind of, of non-specific. We think of, you know, he's got a hunchback, but like, what else he got? We don't know exactly what his condition is. Like, you could say maybe it's scoliosis, but he's just he's just a famous figure, like that has some sort of disability. Yeah. Um. And the the word on the street is that Josh Gad, AA, aka, oh, is he called Olaf? The uh, yes, the, the snowman. snowman guy from Frozen. Yeah. You know that. Don't yeah. pretend you don't know. Well, it. I can't speak today. I don't... <laughs> Words aren't coming out right. <laughs> Aaron's always singing um, in summer. I love who. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's sort of been tipped to be. I think he's directing it as well. Producing, that's I why believe. He's been tipped. Yeah. Um, but people think that he's going to end up playing Quasimodo as well. Yeah. I want to know your thoughts on it. I am going to like assault you with my thoughts about it as well. Okay. It's very important to me. Is it okay in Last Leg style? <laughs> uh with the discussion we've had I would say overall probably not in the sense of again you probably I would have no issue personally I have no issue with Josh Gad being in the film granted I have no idea what role he could play yeah and we don't know like what it is anyway because there's you know the the Disney version well, yeah, we don't like know how the, much, yeah, because it might be really they bring in, story. yeah, it might bring they bring in other elements from the book that went. <laughs> I don't think that would be terrible. To be fair, him voicing a gargoyle, I, think I, could, that I would, could see that. I think he'd fit being a gargoyle yeah. more than he would fit being Quasimodo. Yeah, I could see that, My and maybe opinions on it. Well. And he probably does mocap for the gargoyle. Let's be honest; in the in the modern day, that's probably what they'll do. Have the actors do mocap. Uh, I don't know. You could probably just paint them like people do on the, the you know, like people do that metallic paint where they sort of look. Yeah, like but that's more troublesome people. for the actors, and you risk them having an allergic oh. reaction. Um, uh. um you know, because would be boring. That's, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. why they did the whole. I mean, I guess they could do what they did for Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique, where she just wore a bodysuit. Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think overall, probably. <laughs> I can't pretend that I would be outraged if it was announced that he was going to play Quasimodo. I I admit, and that probably ref- that reflects on me. Um, but with the conversation we've had, I but is it does it feel different to both of you knowing that? Because the, the chances are, I think we could we could probably agree. Like when you think about 
what we think of as somebody who would play Quasimodo. And I know, like, because there's a, a Broadway adaptation of it as well, and I think sometimes it's like a, a deaf actor um, who doesn't appear to have any sort of visible disabilities. So people have interpreted it in different ways. Um, he's very vocal right now. Yeah. He's like, I hate Josh Gad. <laughs> I want to be Quasimodo, even though I'm a dog. Um, but so there are a lot of different ways to interpret it, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about, like, A, from just a disability representation perspective, but also because you're not going to find somebody who exactly fits that description I of, can't imagine like, you will. Hunchback, especially when you think about the animated film, like, what, Hunchback, like, one, what, black eye sort of thing? Really, you know, like, facial deformities, um, like, Ginger from the, the, you know, the animated film, like, there's a lot to sort of cast for. Yeah. But where's the line of is it okay? I feel like to the ginger's not essential. Completely... Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's like how faithful do you want to be to the animated film or to the Broadway adaptation or to the original thing? I don't know what the exact description of him is in that. No, yeah. I've never but, read. And the then book. where is the line of is it okay to cast an able-bodied person or can you cast somebody who has some kind of facial deformity? Because to me, I personally feel like somebody like the um i don't know what his name is the the kid from um stranger things i haven't watched I know... the show <clears throat> so mm. but one of the kids from that has a, it's like a, it's a mild facial deformity deformity i really can't speak um but they sort of speaking like... about quasimodo you're all in a flutter i know true oh it's those ginger locks what can i say <laughs> um but you know, I feel like really some effort should be made to cast somebody with something, some form yeah. of disability, some experience of being an outsider in that way, just visually. Even if it, they don't, even if that person then has to crip up, you know what I mean? Even if they have to put prosthetics on or they have to hunch over, I want somebody in that role. Probably prosthetics. As somebody it's not healthy who relates to, to that over. character. Not because I have a facial disformity or, or because, yeah. you know, I have lived in a bell tower or whatever all my life and have, like, an abusive... <laughs> that would be very uh, specific. <laughs> Imagine that cast call. in the medieval France. Um, is it medieval? But, you know... It's yeah, more it's Renaissance, medieval. isn't it's it? Like, no, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's all the same thing. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. <laughs> I mean, there is a bit of a difference. If the historian like in me wants to be there. it's like... it's all the same time. Yeah. No problemo. There wasn't technology, the, so it's all the same. Other than the Stone Age, the Stone Age is different. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, mm. it's cavemen, old timey people, and then like black and white people, and then modern people. That's that's history. Just a quick lesson. By black and white people, um, did you mean like because of the TV? Yeah, on the TV. Okay. I just assumed she meant the TV. TV. I just she meant anything else. Just wanted to confirm. Yeah, just wanted to confirm. Race, race was invented in 1900. Suddenly, Callum gets a lot more. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, Callum gets a lot more tweets that weren't relating to the right thing. <laughs> You'll never find uh, me. Um, but yeah, I think as you say, like when we, I think the main point that can be taken from the discussion with the whole hunchback of Notre Dame casting or not casting or whatever they may end up doing is that there are lines there and sometimes the lines are difficult to degrade. <laughs> mm. And I think that my overall view on this, obviously you guys can carry on talking about this point if if you guys won't because I, I, I'm completely ignorant on this point really. But my overall view when it comes to this representation thing as a whole is, as I say, like you can have you can have stories where depending on how 
possible it is to find the right representation and whether it's possible but you can't be bothered or whether it's not possible because Hollywood agents don't have them then look for look through other agencies possible um you know where you can try and find it because it it does it it does help people and where you can make stories that aren't just to inspire able-bodied people but to to make people of disability seem more natural because we exist um but i also accept i also yeah. accept we're so the, sorry <laughs> yeah sorry about that mate yeah um or as i said or as i said to somebody when i was trying to get through once when they looked at me with evil eyes i went sorry my, my disability offends you sorry that i exist <laughs> um, i'm sorry that i annoyed god so much <laughs> we've probably just annoyed every religious community watching this <laughs> listening to this rather um but uh, but the point stands we do exist so where possible you can have stories that um able-bodied people would find inspiring you can have stories like the fundamentals of caring and so forth but also just just make it so it seems more natural and normal and i don't necessarily have to have representation um like i've not necessarily got a problem with able-bodied people playing people in wheelchairs from my personal perspective because i understand it's a difficult situation and it's multifaceted and I don't think that someone has to be exactly like me in a store. Like, if there's not a disabled person in the store, I'm not going, oh, I can't relate to anyone in this. Why are um, they not wearing glasses? <laughs> but it's just a balancing act. And unfortunately, the balancing act isn't even really being done for any reason other than business advantages, which I understand. I'm a man of the world. But it needs to be being done for all sides of the coin. Is That's kind of, I think, my view. And I think that's pretty much... A summary of what we're all trying yeah. to put across. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to go on a, um, a slight tangent from the representation part. Uh, while we're on it, though, do you have any fan casting for the other roles, Aaron, for the live action? Uh, like, no. My my purely my thoughts just like don't. Grr, grr, Josh Gad <laughs> bad. Want Peter Dinklage or the kid from. Uh, Stranger Things, or like somebody with some form of disability, a Josh Gagney gargoyle. That's I it. feel like Peter Dinklage <laughs> wouldn't be terrible. Maybe I'm wrong saying that. I, I don't. I yeah, don't I think feel he'd be like bad. they could. You know, they could still sell it on the star power. I think he would be <clears> really good in the role. Personally, I think it would really yeah. fit him. I don't know. I don't know if he could sing. I'd be interesting to hear him sing. <laughs> oh yeah, they may have I, to get I'd someone much else to do that, that for him. Gad or an able-bodied actor. Either that, or he doesn't sing in the film. I have yeah. a completely unrelated question Bring that may need to be cut out, but I just whilst I think of it. Actually, no, it doesn't matter. Aww. Oh, okay. no, and what is a void? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cat dragon. Indeed. Hello. <laughs> oh, we have a Lewis back. <laughs> we do. I don't know if you heard the joining voice. I was no. waiting. I was waiting for a break, and I then yeah, I was like, actually, I don't think mind. I did. I was like, go I don't, now. No, go, my laptop go, didn't go. say anything. Funny enough. Um. Oh, I see how it is. Hang on. Um. To is a, but no, I think. In in summary, if Josh Gad happens to listen to this, play a gargoyle. I think you do well yeah, in that please. role. I think you'd be good there. I think I you should be very work. thankful that Erin is not the casting director. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be producing. If she was the head of Disney, would she would have just said no. <laughs> Find a snowman. So, haven't you made enough money from us already? <laughs> I can gather Hunchback of Notre Dame live action. Absolutely. Yes. I was going to say, Lewis is back um, uh, after, you know... Um, 
you know, checking Brief over, violation. we decided the comments were not controversial and we would have him back. We've uncancelled him. Yeah. Hooray! Yeah. Oh, I see. Was I cancelled briefly? <laughs> that was the joke we made, yes. <laughs> ah, we were going to clarify at the end that it was a joke, so if anyone took that seriously, then yeah. Then you're the racial slur here. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Lewis had to... Lewis had to... Um, Unexpectedly, I was indisposed. Yes. Um, and we... I was challenged by the Black Knight at my door. I had to fight him. I'm sorry. It was a challenge. He slapped me with a glove. Um, and you ran away, you yellow bastard. I did. I did run away. And then he chased me and he fell on his sword. So I won angry by with you. <laughs> See, the dogs are even following him through the phone. <laughs> Oh, stop it. I'm going to play the one that's cancelled now. I'm going to make every horrible comment you can ever think of. <laughs> I know, should we try it? As, as you're here, Lewis, do you have any thought on them casting a disabled actor to play Quasimodo in the live-action film? Um, You could make the argument for it. I think, honestly, for, the, for what you'd need to do is going to be in CG so much of the bloody time anyway. And let's face it, the live-action Lion King. <laughs> hmm. uh, so, I don't know. I think. What was wrong with that film? <laughs> really? Have you actually finished I'm it? You standing up. This is like the scene in Frozen, you know, where the guy stands up in the sauna. And what was wrong with that film? No, just, no, no, no. He's mentioning the live-action Lion King. I don't. Well, I understand the. In. Welcome to movie fight. No, I understand live-action. No, no, no. I was just generally like, um, started. To... Have you finished it, Lewis? <laughs> Um, I haven't finished it. Uh, we have a swear. Aaron, okay. you can't laugh. You brought up films before you haven't even seen No, I just think it's hilarious. He Lewis still hasn't like, finished oh, it. The Lion King is bad. And Callum's like, oh, yeah, you're watching it in five minute chunks. Did you even finish it? <laughs> no, I don't mind people bad mouthing the live like action one. I'm sorry. I, I will admit, personally, I didn't mind it because in my mind, it. I know it was pretty it's much just the Lion King. It was exactly, <laughs> which is why I had no it's problem with the it. Lion King with CGI, although I that's not it. true. It's the Lion King with Beyonce. It's different. Also, Seth oh, Rogen and Billy Eichner were fantastic. <laughs> if I could put them in the '94 one, that would make the '94 one even better for me. Um, no disrespect to oh. Nathan Lane, and I can't remember the guy who voiced Pumba. Well, Ernest. You can't even be bothered to I can't remember his last name. Damn. Oh well. Well, let's face it. They're they all pale in comparison to 2.5. Which was the best film ever made in the Lion King universe? One and a half, Fight. isn't it? But anyway, oh, I don't bloody. The one <laughs> yes, it was. It's one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you picked the, the wrong Lion King clown to tangle with. <laughs> oh, I don't he, care. He made it. He, made, he tried to make a joke and he failed. I just want them. If I'm honest, I just want them to make a remake of the second film yes. in live action because I liked that one. That's I liked this Lion great, King sequel. Underrated sequel. Underrated. <laughs> what was underrated? Sorry. Lion, Lion King, King Two: Simba's Pride. Better than the first one. <laughs> Mm, I think we've been straight a bit. <laughs> Good soundtrack. Anyway, Very underrated soundtrack. Look at all the Lion King. After, <laughs> after, you've this, after you've listened to this on whatever uh, platform, Spotify, whatever, then look up the Lion King 2 soundtrack. But on that note... It's better. <laughs> he Lives in You is a pretty good song. Hmm? Which one? He Lives in that was. Oh yeah, well it was meant to be in the first film. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's so good. Yeah. Also, Quality. the villain song's better. It's definitely a good villain song. I don't know if I'll say it's better, but I'll definitely agree with you. It's a very good song. Also a good love song as well. Love will find a way. Yeah. Yeah. In you, Pendy. 
All good. That one's a bit weird, honestly. That's the one bit where I was like, well, hang on. It's still a good song. <laughs> Rafiki, what are you implying? It's, uh, like, it's, well, you know, we've already had we already had it written in the sky in the first film. No, that's SFX. <laughs> it's not sex. It's, a, it's an audio company. You see them at the beginning of a few Don't films. Don't blame the animators just because they may have been dyslexic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it was just a typo. <laughs> He's right. Look, we've all, we've all seen products in the sky. It just happens sometimes, all right? <laughs> I mean, anyway, I don't know how you've seen products in the sky moment, recently, Lewis, but... In that moment, is the, is the cloud writing really the thing that's giving you the biggest clue about what's going on? I don't think it is. <laughs> I've forgotten what we were talking about before yeah, this, to be honest. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, I think we've come to a good ending, you know. <laughs> I guess people are glad that Lewis has returned. To um, quote the people who do the um, pitch meeting series... <laughs> Give me your weirdest animator and I'll tell him what a lion giving sex size looks like. Because <laughs> that is what happens. It's very weird. <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed this yes. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't really describe what this is, but it's what it is. Oh, I wish I could do the Green Goblin laugh from Spider-Man. I really do. This <laughs> is uh, the Willem Dafoe one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Before we go on any more tangents, uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, so we'll, we'll go around everyone. Um, goodbye from the returning Lewis. Goodbye. Goodbye from Yayan. Goodbye. And goodbye from Erin. Goodbye. Until next time, goodbye. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at the blind Brennan, send an email to theblindbrennan at gmail.com or join the Facebook group Listen With Your Eyes. If you can like, share and rate the podcast, that would be very much appreciated. You've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time.